Hello, I'm Tony Carter, lead pastor of East Point Church. And for the past eight years, we've called the city of East Point our home as we've sought to point people to Christ through the preaching of the gospel. And during our time here, we've shared church space and met in civic centers and in schools. But now God has given us a gracious opportunity to have a place that we can call our own. Currently, we are under contract for a church building and are raising funds for the down payment. And normally we don't ask for donations in this matter, but this is a unique and a wonderful opportunity for us. And so if you are so inclined, uh, we ask that you would partner with us in the pursuit of our vision for a permanent home for East Point Church. If you would like to give, we invite you to visit our website at epointchurch.org. And there you will find a tab directing you in how you might be able to give in support of us raising the funds to obtain this church building. Thank you for this opportunity and thank you for partnering with us in advance. The preached word this morning is coming from uh, Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37. Luke chapter 10 verses 25 through 37. The word of God reads as follows. And behold, a lawyer stood up to him to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and and whatever more you, you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. With the new year, uh, there comes new things. <laughs> Lots of new things. Uh, there are uh, new uh, opportunities. There are uh, new graces. There are new mercies, as we've, as we've talked about. The new year brings, brings new opportunities. And for us here at East Point Church, the news of a potential uh, new home. We are anticipating, we are anticipating a plethora of new opportunities with this new building that we are hoping that the Lord will give us. These, with these new opportunities, we are going to be called to steward them and to 
and to seize these opportunities that are before us. Now, the, the temptation, there's going to be some temptations. The, the temptation is going to arise and think is for us to think that we somehow deserve this building. Tempted to think that we have earned it, that, that it is a gift for us, that, that we earned it from, from suffering in these blue tears for the last two years. <laughs> be tempted to think that we earned it. And to think like that is going to squander us to, is going gonna, is gonna to cause us to squander these opportunities that God is going to give us. Oh, I know we might not utter these words that we deserve this building or that this is a reward, but the temptation will be that our actions will show that. It will scream that very fact. Our prayer is that this text will help us steer clear of that trap and take full advantage of the opportunities before us. Getting this parable right, getting this parable right, I, will, I believe will help us live right now and in eternity. You you do want to live right, don't you? We, we often think about living right now. But don't spend much time thinking about eternity. But when I ask the question, do you want to live right, I'm not simply talking about this life. I'm talking about the life to come. Eternal life. Do you want to live right for eternity? You should. That's what's in your heart. Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says, God has set eternity into every heart. Yet we don't tend to think about it in terms of eternity. We want the here and now. We are concerned with the immediate but in the Bible, the Bible speaks in terms of eternity. It's, it's not foreign. There, there is a bent towards life after death. There is an emphasis on living your life now in light of eternity. While we may not be so concerned with eternity, those who walk with Jesus were. It was a fascination with all that happens after we die. This was certainly on the mind of this lawyer in our text. He approaches Jesus with a question, or better yet, the Bible tells us, a test. He, he seeks to test Jesus. He asks him, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? The, the lawyer wants to live right in eternity. He, he wants heaven. His question implies that he wants to spend eternity with Jesus. But masterfully, Jesus masterfully turns the question back on him. He turns it back on him. Jesus knew that the lawyer was skilled in discerning the, the intricacies, that's the word, that's the word of the, of the law. 
That was his profession. He was an expert in the law of God. So Jesus tells him, well, you tell me. What, what does the law say? How, how do you read it? The lawyer, reciting from Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, answers, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love others. That was it. That was the summation of the Ten Commandments. Jesus says, correct, you've got it correct. Do this, love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Do this and you will live. In other words, live right now and you will live right in eternity. Seems simple enough. Seems doable. But the lawyer didn't get it. And so often, I don't think we get it either. You see, the lawyer then exposes his heart by his follow-up question to Jesus. He asks, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? Luke adds some commentary here and says that he was asking the question, seeking to justify himself. Meaning that he was seeking to meet God's standard of the law by his own abilities. He failed to realize that God's standard is perfection. When the, when the command came, command comes to love God and neighbor, do you understand that that is a perfect love for God and neighbor 24, 7, 365? That's always perfect love for God and neighbor with mind strength always. That's the way the command came. But, but he did what most of us do when the commands of God come. We assume they are easily attainable. Show me who's my neighbor, and I will show you how much I can love them. I'll show you, God. I can do it. I can fulfill your commands. Just tell me who my neighbor is. See, the lawyer asks the wrong question. He asks the wrong question but Jesus was going to answer the right one. And he was going to do it by telling a parable. In the story, Jesus would teach the lawyer how to live now and how to live in eternity. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan. Seems like most of the world, Christian and non Christian know this story. In, in, in our modern day context, we have made it a, a feel-good story. Depictions of it make you feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. 
A man robbed, beat up, and left for dead is helped by an unlikely stranger. You know, the plot of this, of this parable has made movie and TV directors millions of dollars. While we may think that this parable is warm and fuzzy, the original hearers did not. While we may be sniffling and getting choked up at the emotions involved in the story, the original hearers were more likely gasping and, 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 and blushing. See, Jesus' parables, brothers and sisters, are, were meant to jolt his hearers. They were used to expose sinful, self-righteous, and impure hearts. That's what they were meant to do. You see, the lawyer's issue wasn't what was in his head. It was what was in his heart. That was the issue. He knew the law. He knew the commands of God. Yet he failed to translate it to his heart. Brothers and sisters, knowledge of God and his commands is not enough. That knowledge must have import in your life. Biblical truth is meant to to change you. It is meant to impact those around you. It's meant to get to the rudder of your life, namely your heart. That is why, that is why it is so important that we understand the truth contained in this parable as we approach seeking, as we, as we, we seek to, to purchase this, this new building, to enter into this new building. See, I believe, I believe that, that this building that we're prayerfully praying for is going to provide opportunities for us to live both now and in eternity. But in order for us to see that, we need to have our hearts exposed just like this lawyer did. We, we have to let this parable read our hearts and have Jesus set them straight. I mentioned earlier that this parable is shocking and jolting. The, the first jolt comes from the violence we see in the story. There's a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jesus doesn't mention it, but I think it's implied that this man was in Jerusalem worshiping. He was a Jew, just like the lawyer and just like the majority of the crowd that Jesus has around him. Traveling along the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, it was a dangerous road. There were twists and turns. It was popular for robbers to to hide and attack people on this road. So it was a dangerous road. And Jesus tells the the story, he goes on to tell that the man was, was attacked. He was stripped. He was beaten within an inch of his life and left for dead on the side of the road. The the violence of this attack cannot be overstated. It was a violent attack, stripped and and beaten and beaten within an inch of his life, left on the side of the road. Here is this man in misery and in need of mercy. 
Jesus' shocking parable continues. He wants to shine the light brighter and brighter on our hearts. And so he introduces into the, the story a priest and a Levite. Certainly, certainly these men. Here's, here's the priest and the Levite, and they're going to come and they're going to help this man, this man who is in misery, in need of mercy. Certainly, if anybody could help, it's the priest and it's the Levite. They're going to help this man. He's in, he's in need of mercy. As Jesus continues with the story, I am almost positive you would have heard a gasp and murmuring from the crowd. The priest and the Levite see the man half dead on the side of the road. They see him and they walk to the other side. They leave him. No way! The priests and the Levite, the, the religious folks, leave the man, the ones who know what to do. They leave him on the side of the road. Aren't the religious folks supposed to show mercy? It's convicting. This is convicting. Those who know what to do yet don't know, but yet don't do what they know to do. Those who know what to do, yet don't do what they know to do. Brothers and sisters, we haven't talked uh, much about some of the events with the police brutality that happened last year and, and such, and all that was in the news, but, and I don't want to say much about it, but I do want to draw your attention to one of the the gentleman, Eric Gardner, in, in New York. Now, there's a lot of uh, details about the story, but I, I, I did happen to watch the video, and, and the thing that struck me most about the video, the thing that struck me most about the video, as the man is lying on the ground, having what appears to be an asthma attack, saying that he can't breathe, there are police all around, and those who know what to do don't do what they know to do. It's convicting. It's, it's disturbing. It's, it's pretty heinous when, when the world fails to offer mercy to those in misery. But it seems unthinkable when the church does it. I mean, unimaginable. We know what to do. Yet we don't do it. Brothers and sisters, I think, I think this is what causes people to scratch their heads when they, when they think upon our, our littered um, evangelical Christian past. Good Christian men and women seeing slavery and Jim Crow, knowing what to do, yet not doing it. It's convicting, brothers and sisters. Do you understand that the church is called to love in word and in deed? In word and in deed. In fact, in fact, 
how you love others is a sign of your love for God. 1 John 4, 20 and 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is what Jesus did. He, he, he had mercy and compassion on those who, who, who needed mercy and who needed compassion. He, he loved them. The actions of the priest and the Levite exposed their hearts and their lack of love for God. This parable exposing your heart? Is it, is it beginning to cause you to think of those people that you have passed by? That you, is it causing you to think of times when you knew what to do, but you, but you didn't do it? It's convicting. It's convicting. I'm sure the those in the crowd were, were convicted, but, but perhaps they were, they were thinking about the priest and the Levite. Oh, see, it's those church folks. They didn't do it. Perhaps thinking the story could not get any more scandalous than it already is. Jesus throws one, one more twist into the tale. One more twist into the story to leave this largely Jewish crowd reeling. He introduces into the parable a Samaritan. Here was the outcast, the nobody, the other, the pagans, the ones the Jews despised. These are the ones the Jews despised. Samaritans and Jews did not get along. They did not mix. They were enemies. Jesus says that he is the one, that there was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho on the same road, and he passes not by the Samaritan, but he passes and sees the Samaritan. And he's the one that shows mercy to this man. Oh, and brothers and sisters, it just wasn't a little bit of mercy. It is abundant and overwhelming Mercy. He, he lavishes, he lavishes mercy upon this man. He, he passes by him, he comes up to him, and he gets down off of his horse, his donkey, whatever he was on, he gets down off of it. He shows compassion, he nails down, and he begins to address the wounds of this man, pouring oil on it, caring for this man. He, he then sets the man on his, on his beast. And walks alongside of them, taking them to an inn. Spends the night caring for them. And then pays money to to keep the man while he is away. And promises that when he returns, he's going to come back. And take care of any tab that this man has. I don't 
think we fully grasp. I don't don't think we fully grasp this, but Jesus was blowing their minds with this parable. He was blowing their minds with this parable. This is is a, a Samaritan showing such extravagant love and mercy to a Jew. These these two were enemies. This is scandalous. In the minds of the hearers, this would have been impossible. These things don't happen. This This is only the things that happens in parables. It doesn't happen in real life. Jews and Samaritans, a Samaritan helping a Jew. Jesus has the lawyer right where he wants him. And in a real sense, the lawyer is going to answer his own question. He's going to answer his own question. Ready to bring the lesson home. Jesus poses one, one final question to the lawyer. One final question. He just has one final question for him. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? The answer is so obvious, it's, it's, it's almost a rhetorical question. The lawyer answers, the one who showed him Mercy. The one who showed him mercy. Now go and do likewise. Go and do likewise? Go and do likewise? You want me to do the impossible? In order for me to live right in eternity, I am required now to love my neighbor meaning everyone I come in contact with, with a perfect, extravagant, love-filled, in a love-filled, merciful way? You want me to do that to my enemy, to the stranger, to the one who has offended me, the one who I'm in conflict with? You want me to love them like that? I can't do that. That is impossible. That's the point. It's impossible. That's The point, remember the lawyer had asked the wrong question. Who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself. Set up a standard that he could reach. Jesus answers the question rightly. You can't reach the standard. That is why you need me. That is why you need mercy. I fulfilled the law. I lived right so that you could live right, both now and in eternity. The man, after reciting love God and love neighbor, should have realized, you know what? That is impossible. I need to fall down on my knees right here and beg for forgiveness and beg for mercy from you. You understand that living right now means that you understand fully that you are a lawbreaker. You're a sinner. You can't love God and neighbor perfectly. You can't do it. You are in misery and in need of mercy. Guess what? 
You received the mercy you need. You needed. You received it. You received it in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You failed, but Jesus succeeded. And so you trust his, his perfect love. You, you trust that he has been merciful to you. You trust his perfect love accomplished on your behalf. That is how you live right now. So important that you get that. That you live right. You can't fulfill the law. You can't fulfill it perfectly. You can't love God and neighbor perfectly. You needed the mercy and the grace of God in order to live in eternity. That's how you live right now. Because of that knowledge, because that knowledge that heart change, once you understand that, you understand that it has implications. It has implications. Which brings me to us moving into a building and not squandering the opportunities before us. Hmm. You see, self-righteous people read Jesus' charge, go and do likewise, and say, impossible, I can't meet that standard, I can't do it. I can't do that. Self-righteous people do that, thinking that they can fulfill the law in their own power, in their own abilities. So they look at it, they say, it's too much, I can't do it. Can't love like the Samaritan. But sinners who have received extravagant Mercy from Christ and who have been saved by amazing, unmerited grace. Read this and say, what is impossible with man is possible with God. That's, that's, that's what they say. Only self-righteous people look at the law and say, I can't do it. It's impossible. But saved by grace people, people who have received mercy, say what is impossible with God is, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Because I'm a testimony to it. Christians can go and do likewise. Christians can go and do likewise. They can show the mercy and love exhibited by the Samaritans because, by the Samaritan because they received mercy and love they did not deserve. They become conduits for the love mercy, and grace of God shown forth in Christ. When you understand that you receive mercy, you are then able to show mercy to others. We have uh, been talking and praying and planning about this building. We're excited. Tell you, I've told you that there are opportunities there. We've done some demographic work of the neighborhood. Lord willing, we will move into. There's, there's, there's no secret. The demographic is different than ours. We may find ourselves coming upon men and women who have been beaten and left for dead. We may. You may come across people who are not like you. been left for dead, they're forgotten, and they're in need of mercy. 
there's going to be a plethora of opportunities for us to love and show mercy to our neighbors. What will we do? Will we see them and cross over to the other side? Will we do that? Or will we come alongside them and minister grace and minister mercy? Remember how I said the temptation will be to think that we earn the building? To think that God is rewarding us for having it all together? If that is the attitude we have, you know what we'll do? We will go into that neighborhood, think that we are there to rescue people, and we will pick and choose who we want to show mercy to. That's what will happen. Self-righteous people, that's how they think. Show me who I can serve, and I'll serve them. I'll show you how I can serve them. Brothers and sisters, what this parable tells us is that self-righteous people don't show mercy. The priests, the the Levite, the lawyer, were too concerned about their own being. They, They were concerned about their reputation, just like the Pharisee in Luke 18 who thought himself better than the tax collector. But those who show mercy are those who recognize that they have been shown extravagant, extravagant mercy that they don't deserve. Listen, brothers and sisters, we need to go into that neighborhood knowing that we are miserable beggars who found mercy. And we want to tell others who are in misery where to find that mercy. That's what we want to do. You know what that means? That means that it's going to be a sacrificial love. It's going to be uncomfortable. It means inviting those unlike you into into your lives, into into our homes. It, It means showing sacrificial, uncomfortable love because that is what Christ has done for us. Brothers and sisters, if we get this, if we get that, I believe it'll change us. It'll change the church. Not only will our neighbors in the community be impacted, but our neighbors sitting next to us, one sitting right next to you in the pews, in these pews, will be impacted as well. We won't be prone to only give mercy to those who we think deserve it. Somebody offends me, somebody I don't talk to regularly, somebody who I've had a disagreement with, nah, I'm not going to show them mercy. No, we will lavish sacrificial love and mercy on all those who, within, who are within our sphere. That's what we'll, that's what we'll do. That's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, when we get that, when we get and understand that, that we have been recipients of, of mercy, mercy that we did not deserve, we will then be conduits, and everyone will become our neighbor, and we will, we will love generously. We will show mercy, not because we're trying to meet a standard that we can never meet because the standard has been met in Christ and therefore we can go and do likewise. Brothers and sisters, may we see this new building 
It's God's grace and mercy to us. Not earned or deserved. Not earned or deserved. Oh, we haven't, it's not because we, we, we suffered long, we were long suffering. Not, not, it's not earned or deserved. Because God was gracious and merciful. And showed us extravagant grace and mercy. Samaritan loved greatly. Samaritan loved greatly. May we go and do likewise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray.